you already know what you already know. The answers you are looking for are where you haven't looked. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum, and producer Marcus Sawson behind the scenes. This quote leads us into our guest today, Jeremy Frisch. Jeremy is the owner of Achieve Performance, where he specializes in the development of youth athletes. I've been a huge fan of his methods and work and have been stealing stuff from him for a while now. And I'm super excited to finally get him on the podcast and talk about some of these things that I implement and have stolen from him. Today, we kind of dove into his, his philosophies and why he values play movements and developing an athletic base for youth so much. How this can lead to long-term athletic development, long-term athletic success, and kind of how this variability in training and in life leads to the results that we want to see and how a lot of times where we want to specialize and we want to get to the point really quickly looks really good and feels really good in the moment. But five, 10 years down the road, when you have an athlete that is missing this base and comes in looking like a robot and has gone through that personal, personal training warehouse method of, um, of strength conditioning. And we talk a lot about even just skips to where they, they, they look like robot skipping. It's almost too perfect of a skip. We talk about these things and, and you just have this non-fluid athlete, this athlete that hasn't played since he's been four or five years old and he has gone his entire life without this aspect of training in his life and you implement these things, how much this can help their athletic career. Hopefully, you guys get something out of this podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood. All right, well, Coach, welcome to the podcast. It's been a long time coming. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks for having me on. I was, uh, it's just been crazy the last few weeks. So I'm, I'm, I'm finally glad to get some time during, a, you know, especially on a Friday. It's great to, it's great to relax and talk shop. Yeah. Uh, we've, uh, I've, you've been probably the most recommended guest that I haven't had on yet. Everybody's asking, like, if we had beef or whatever. And I was like, no, like, we're, we're working on something. It's just during COVID. We have a lot of stuff happening right now. It's, it's been crazy. You know what, too? I've been in the mornings. I have to do like uh, I do my adult. I train a bunch of adults, but I do it online like we do it on Zoom. Okay. And so while I'm like coaching the group. I just got my my got my AirPods in. I've like this past two weeks. I've been just blowing through your podcast like every day. I hit a new podcast just while I'm like coaching the group because like, I can tell them what to do. And then I'm sort of just standing there like looking at the screen. You know what I mean? I don't really train with them. Yep. So it's like it's nice. It makes the time go by. So, yeah, your this podcast is great. I'm fired up to be here. Awesome. Do you, do you want to tell the listeners kind of how you got to the point you're at today? Um, how you got to the mindset that you got to today? And we, we talked about it a little bit before the podcast, but kind of how you actually broke out of the dark ages that you kind of grew up in, in training. Sure. Sure. So, you know, what I, I think I've always had like, sort of like, I think childhood and, and even adolescence is such a, like, I, was, I shouldn't say traumatic, but it's so, you know, it, I'm sort of, I've sort of always been stuck there. Like I just, Growing up, I just those those thoughts never leave your mind, and you know you always think about the things you did when you were a kid. And uh, growing up, I think I lived in the greatest neighborhood in the world because I'd walk outside my house and I had a huge yard, just open space. If I went across the street, there was a path through the woods, and up in you know up in those woods, there was like this huge like these huge boulders we used to climb and run around, chase each other, and it was like we went up there all the time. And if I went left, there was trails where I could ride my bike forever. Right. And now that's actually a conservation trail now because someone got smart and be like, this is a great spot. But when I was a kid, it was just like mine. I was the only one out there or like a few kids in the neighborhood. We, we'd go out there like chasing each other, playing army and stuff like that. And then a hundred yards down the road from my house, there was a park inside that park. There was a playground. There was a um, monkey bars, chin up bars, you know, one of those high slides that like kids could fall off and die from now, but they, they took them all down. Uh, there was a, like two court um, tennis court with this like really high fence around the side of it, outside of it. And we played the greatest games of like wiffle ball or like tennis, like tennis wiffle. Remember those games? Like you'd play like you'd have a tennis ball, but you use a wiffle ball bat. And like, we would just play home run derby. And like, we'd play for hours in that court. And then there was a basketball court, obviously too. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how many hours, especially when I got older, like into high school, how many hours I spent there just like shooting and shooting and shooting when I got into hoops. So I, I feel like, I feel like that, just that alone has a huge influence on me when I think like the things I'm doing now, like thinking back at what I did when I was a kid, it really, it really has influenced me. But when I, uh, you know, like a lot of guys, I played a lot of sports growing up, uh, you know, into high school, I played, I played, uh, baseball and then I switched over to track and field. I love playing basketball and I, and I, and I, and my, you know, since I was a little, 
tiny little guy, football was my thing. And so I was lucky enough to go on and play college football. And, um, and when, but let me take one step back before college, between high school and college, I had to go to prep school for a year. My grades were terrible. I was a terrible student. So I went to prep school for a year, played a little bit of football at a school called Bridgeton Academy. And, uh, when I was up there, that's kind of where the first time I, I was introduced to lifting weights. I had never lifted before in high school, just pretty much kind of get by on being athletic and doing lots of things growing up. But uh, up there was the first time I really got knocked around as far as football went. And I really needed to like get in the weight room. And so there was a kid on my team, the strongest kid. And I said, Hey, I'm going to follow you around. And he sort of showed me how to squat and do some things. And, and uh, that's kind of where kind of where I started with the, the strength and conditioning type uh, training. And from there, I fell in love with it. Um, you know, I just, I just love the weight room. I love being in the weight room. I've always loved lifting weights. I probably got, and I, I've heard you talk about it too before. Like you just get so into it, so obsessed with like the Olympic lifts and, and you know, the heavy lifting and maybe you don't need it. But at the time for me, that's all I lived for. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what's kind of sprung me into my, my career as a, uh, as a strength and conditioning coach. So, so yeah. So after that, I, uh, you know, when I really started like studying it rather than just working out, I knew I wanted to be a strength coach. So I want to be a college strength coach. So that was my goal. So, um, you know, after school finished, I went and did an internship at Stanford, uh, with their strength and conditioning program, drove cross country all the way out there, drove all the way home. So 3000, whatever miles it is out there and 3000 miles back. And, uh, I, uh, Worked at a few private facilities. And then one day, one of the coaches, the, uh, this guy, Jeff Oliver, he's the head strength coach at Holy Cross, um, gave me a call and said, Hey, I got an open position. He's like, I, he knew I was from the area. He knew I was doing a lot of strength and conditioning and, and he, uh, asked me if I was interested. And so that's, I finally became a college strength coach. And, uh, it's so funny because that's all you ever want, right? You want to be a strength coach in the college. And, and all of a sudden, like I started having kids and I started reading books about like phys ed. And, and like development and child development and how you develop like scale acquisition and all that stuff. And then like a year, all I wanted to do was leave college and go open my own, my own facility and like just work with kids. So it's so funny. Like I love my time there. It was so great. And I learned so much and I could have probably been a strength college strength coach for years, but I had an opportunity to go do what I'm doing now. Um, and, and part of that was too, is when you get to the college level, you see some athletes come through the door. And you just don't have enough time to work with them. And you realize like if they did X, Y, and Z when they were younger, maybe they would have been a better, in a better position now, you know, with that are at the highest level. So I think what happens is, is with a lot of sports is that kids probably start playing when they're young and they get by because they're, they're fairly skilled at that sport. But at some point, the physicality of the game will catch up, whether it's, you know, when they turn, when you turn into a teenager or varsity years in high school or finally college, but the game gets, requires certain physical traits in order to be successful. And I think there's a lot of athletes lacking those physical traits at all different levels. And so for me, I was like, what if I go back and be able to work with kids, you know, from the beginning, if I get a kid who's like seven, eight, nine and develop them through the years. So that's kind of where, where I came from. And yes, like I, when I got into strength conditioning, Olympic lifts was everything. And then West side barbell came and Louis Simmons said, you don't need to do, Olympic lifts, all you need to do is dynamic effort work and heavy and, you know, heavy assistance, uh, ancillary stuff. And then, you know, from there it went to, uh, let's see what was next. It was, um, the PT stuff after that, like everyone was doing, was doing, um, you know, like all type of clamshells and, you know, all kinds of like PT exercises. That was like the big thing. Right. And then FMS was huge. And if you didn't do FMS, you were a loser. You were the worst coach in the world because you weren't doing FMS. And so I've seen like just so many things sort of happen over the years. I've been, I'm close to 20 years now being a strength coach. So I've seen it. I've seen a lot of things happen. So that's kind of my, my background in a nutshell. Yes. Yeah, so you, you talked about, and this is something that, cause I, I, I'm a college strength coach now and I'm seeing it all the time is, is the athlete that walks in and we, we talked about previous before we started recording, but it's like, you just wish you could have coached them earlier or wish you could have moved them earlier. And it, a lot of times it's that it's the guy that walks in that's had a personal trainer since he's been 12 years old and has been doing the speed camps and has been doing the, uh, the what are the, the SAC QR camps like his entire life. And yeah. you just, I mean, you just, you know, the way I see is very stiff, very like fragile. It has to be, if, if it's a perfect, like we're running this perfect start, like he probably has a better start than everybody, but 
when it comes yeah. to catching a ball and moving and just doing the things that you wish he could do. It's just so stiff and not natural. When you were working in the strength world and like even now, like when you're working, like what are these things that you're seeing this athlete really miss? Like what are you seeing they're <clears> missing and how can they kind of work on it? Yeah, so I see it a lot too. Like I'll get a kid who comes from like another place, say like a, and it's sort of like a, maybe they, they went out of facility. It's like one of the sort of like, um, like a factory type place you know you go they, they teach the same stuff you know same like techniques and every kid learns the same thing in groups and so yeah and they come in there they're very robotic you know they can skip like they look they're but they're they can skip perfectly but it's so perfect it's rigid yes. you know what i mean yes like that's not how you're supposed to skip like if you want to see a kid really skip watch a kid who's like six skip down the street that's a skip like that's you see them loose and kind of bounce along and they're happy and smiling and bouncy. You know what I mean? You mean, you mean like, not like, like right this, here? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like that is like, I'm just drives me crazy. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I, I, I think that's the biggest thing is that a lot of kids these days have been overcoached. I read a thing the other day too, about like a baseball coach, college baseball coach said the same thing. He can see when he gets kids coming in, who's been coached, who has had a, like a really like batting coach since they were like seven. And who's the kid who just got up and just learned how to swing on his own. And then maybe got a batting coach years later, like, you know, when they became like a teenager, when it got important, you know what I'm saying? But the kid who just picked up a bat and learned how to play out in the street, you know, he can tell the difference because those kids are more athletic. They're more refined and they have a better, like, sort of like, um, probably ability to hit the ball, probably a better ability to hit, not a perfect pitch. You know what I mean? But be able to cover the plate and, and do more things at the plate than the kid who's just always been, you know, sitting there taking pitches from a guy behind an L screen. You know what I mean? So, and I see the same thing in strength and conditioning. Yeah, you see kids like, I still don't understand, like, why are they teaching young kids like 10, 11, 12, like 40 starts? Like, why do we, like, why, why aren't they just lining up on the line and saying go and like racing each other? That's what we did. You know what I mean? And then you knew right away who the fastest kid was on the street. But you also knew like there was kids that wanted to beat him. And so you got hungry. And so you went at it over and over. It's, it's interesting how like kids can just, they naturally figure out how to do speed work. Cause like they'll, they want to race each other, but they also, when they get done, they're tired. So they sit there and talk shit to each other for a few minutes and that's their recovery. And then boom, they go again. And like, they're so natural. It's so natural for them. Right. But then you throw, throw a coach in there where it's like, say it's the speed strength coach. Who's going to like break down their technique and make them do all these drills or the sport coach. Who's going to make them go run, you know, gassers or, or, uh, you know, a mile, do two mile run. It's like, dude, just leave them alone. You know what I mean? Give them a little guidance. Go do this. Try that. You know what I mean? Let's uh, let's see who can run to the down there the fastest and run back. Like just that's just it's so simple, especially with kids because they 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 love that stuff. They eat stuff. They eat that. They eat that stuff up. I wrote the other day, like you know, a coach was saying how uh, one of the soccer coaches in town had his kids had they test the kids in a three hundred yard shuttle. They were like eleven. They had kids like one kid almost threw up. He's never been like anywhere near that capacity before of running a you know a three hundred yard shuttle. I'm like, dude, line them up. Play some pickle, you know, 25 yards apart, two guys on each end with the ball. You got to run between. Don't get hit. They'll run double the amount of work that they would in a 300-yard shuttle, and they'll change direction violently. They'll stop, start. They'll dive. They'll roll. You know what I mean? The athleticism notch just got turned up about 10. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you don't have a number like, oh, he ran a 300-yard shuttle this time, but who cares? Like, that doesn't make any sense anyways. Like, they're going to get more condition when they play their sport. You know, you'll go have practice and go play the game and they're going to get conditioned. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I was just saying before, like in, fo in football, like I remember I would run and do sprints and do conditioning and tempos and all this stuff, right? Before the season, we wouldn't even have practice for like two weeks, right? You remember like you'd have doubles and then you have like a week of like the first week of practice. And even then I'd get out in the field the first game and I'd be gassed. Like there's nothing that you can truly prepare for like the game because you're just so hyped. Even scrimmages, like, you get hyped for a scrimmage, but it's not even close to being hyped for a game. You know what I mean? Like the first game, just I would come off the field the first like the first series, I'd be hyperventilating because like you're just so charged up. You know, it's a, and at the end of the first game, like the next morning, you're just so sore. But it's amazing. Like week two, week two, you're you're in. Like you're I'm ready. Like you're totally ready. You know. So I just think we overcoach so much and don't let the kids and you know figure things out. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's something that's so true. And I like, cause I see it with my college athletes too. And this is something that once I get the buy-in from the college athlete and get them to like their light bulb to go on, it, it's really cool to see because I've been talking a lot about this and like writing a lot about this 
but you'll have an athlete that's that comes into you and like before you warm up before you do any of this stuff before you give them the ball they're robots like they're robots and zombies like lifeless they come into you they, they just got done probably through like a whole college or high school class that they didn't get to be creative in, didn't get to do anything in the entire time they just sat there and they're bored out of their minds not being themselves and finally like they get to open up and be creative and you give them a ball and tell them to play rather than again for another two hours of their day programming and writing everything out and having them like this is what we're doing a to b b to c c to d like we're putting our arms here we're putting sure. our knees here we're doing this type of thing and you finally give them some time to like explore and be creative and it, it, just how much more energy you get out of them like the, the results that you get out of them to me is it doesn't even compare yeah so we got we got so down the gym we have two a uh, couple different games but there's this one game <clears throat> it's like a two-on-two you stand at each end but we, you know those balls, like there's like not little knobs on them. They're like agility balls. Like you roll them on the ground, they bounce all different ways. Yep. Like, they're like yellow. Yeah, they're like yellow, like whatever. So we got baseball balls. Yeah, like, you know, they help like, you know, hand-eye or whatever. Yep. So, so, so two kids stand at one end, two kids stand at the other. And we have those. And they're like, the ones we have are like foam and soft. So if you take one off the face, like you won't get a black eye. And the kids just like, literally they line up. And like the goal is you have to fire the ball and skip it off the ground and get it by them. So it hits the wall behind them. And like you have this a stupid game, like stupid, like stupid rule, right? Like just fire a ball down the other end, try to get it by a guy. You guys, the two guys that are on defense have to try to block it. And then if they block it, they pick it up and throw it back. And we play to like 10, right? And there's like groups of 10 kids waiting to play, like fired up. And like everyone's talking crap. You know what I mean? But like that totally sets the tone for the day. Cause they just like, what? You're in high school. You just sat in class for who knows how long, eight hours, you know, six hours. And now it's like with COVID, it's even worse. It's like they don't let them do anything. They're like really like stuck in place. So we had that game. And then we have another game. This is hysterical. The name. So one of the kids in the gym made the name up. But we take like a dodgeball and it's like um, you're basically we're on a, you're on like a gymnastics mat and you got a two on two. You got to slap the ball to the other side over like a little line and you got to try to get it by them. So back and forth. But it's like it's ping pong and tennis. It looks like ping pong and tennis. So the kids call it panis. <laughs> right. It's like, dude, you guys are ridiculous. Like, but you know, that's their game. They made it up. They made the name like, cool. You know what? You guys, you know, it's, it's your game. You guys made it up and, and it, and it, and for them, it's like, they get excited. It wakes them up. They just spend an entire day doing nothing but sitting. So like, I could care less, like stuff like that. Like I, and I love that too. Like some of the games I make up, but I love when they make it up. You know what I mean? I love when they come down and come up with different ideas too. So. Yeah, I'm all I am all about that stuff. Starting starting to you know, with the younger kids, we do a drill where like I have everyone lay down on the ground on their belly and I'll say up and they gotta get up and bounce on one foot as fast as they can. Right? Like that drill right there, you can do that drill with three year olds. You can do that drill with twenty one year olds. Like get up fast as you can, balance on one foot. All right, get up. Shut your eyes, get up and balance on one foot fast as you can. Get up. Bounce on one foot, shut your eyes, hop in a circle, hop in a circle the other way. You can just keep adding to it. Then I'd be like, all right, get up, bounce on one foot, face your partner, give him a high five with your hand, give him a low five. So now we're doing like a single leg squat. You're doing like, you know what I mean? You got, so you got a bunch of six year old kids standing on one foot, bending over, doing like one leg deadlifts, giving high fives, you know what I mean? Or squatting down. So like now you're adding like a little bit of like, I'm not going to say strength focus, but movement focus, right? Um, then we do high five, low five with their foot. So they got to do like a, foot five at the bottom then they lift their leg way up and they do a foot five you know what i mean like follow those directions add a piece every second every time you do a rep add a different piece make it different every time fires the kids up they love it you know you knock out 10 minutes of a session just there and they've already worked on a, a whole bunch of different skills balance stability you know spatial awareness things like that and going back to what you said like your original question i think that's what's missing and so many kids is that foundational of uh, foundation coordinate of coordination. You know what I mean? Just basic balance skills, um, basic spatial awareness, um, being able to like, um, so being able to like have to be able to do one, like two things at one time, like, like we do drills where we like do high knees, but you have to make big circles with your right arm. You know what I mean? Or like do straight leg runs and do clap with your hands while you're doing it. Like kids lack that ability because they've never, they were never exposed to it. You know what I mean? When they were younger. Whether it's because, well, I know exactly why. It's like, because phys ed is not really phys ed that much anymore. I mean, there is places there is great phys ed, but there's a lot of places that it's 
and it's not always the teacher's fault. It's been taken away from them. You know what I mean? Because there's so much focus on like <clears throat> school, school, school. But anyways, so I think those foundations of, of coordination, uh, you know, having like, I was playing with the kid the other day with bait, like we were throwing back uh, baseball back and forth and he has yet to develop that ability to like a touch. Like if you and I are two feet away, you're not going to fire the ball at my head as hard as you can. You're going to throw it soft. But some kids don't have that ability. Like they just pick it up and they just launch it because they don't know. So we do stuff like, I'll be like, all right, we're going to throw, you know, there, I'll have a cone like two feet away, a cone six feet away and a cone, you know, 20 feet away. And then we have different size balls and I'll like, all right, you're going to hit the medicine ball with the short cone. You're going to hit the football with the middle cone. You're going to hit the fireball with the tennis ball. And so you learn that sort of sense of touch. You know what I mean? Um, another, another way to do that too, is like, we'll do broad jumps. Like if you say kids, if you tell kids to do broad jumps, right, they're just going to jump as far as they can. And it's cool. Like, I don't even care if they have a shitty landing, like they just jump and they're like, their ass hits the ground almost, they almost fall over. And it's totally cool. Cause they're, I've never seen a kid do a broad jump and get hurt because they didn't land the right way. You know what I mean? But another way you could do jumps is to put different lines out and have them jump to that line. So now they have to use a little bit more, not just pure power, not like, no, you know, it's not just pure output. It's like how soft, like you have to sort of figure out how much pressure you're going to put into the ground in order for you to get to that line to land exactly on that line. So you learn that sort of like, not everything is just all out. You kind of, you, you learn that sense of touch. That's a huge one, you know, because you do that in all sports. Um, so yeah, I think just those foundational coordination abilities are lacking on, on so many kids. And then, and then I think you, in the past, kids would learn, like, I know for me, I think I learned that stuff because I played so many sports. You know what I mean? Like I played football, I played basketball, played baseball, ran track, but we also ran around outside in the woods. We wrestled each other. You know what I mean? Those things, you learn these different skills just by sort of doing stuff. And I think a lot of kids just now don't do stuff. They don't play as anywhere near as much. And they're all involved in playing organized sports, many of which they only play one organized sport year round. So can you imagine how small of a, you know, small of a bandwidth that athlete has as far as movement skills, because he's only been doing, he or she's been only doing one thing like their whole life. Drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, and like we mentioned, like you can tell the athlete that has that. So I'm interested because I, I know there's a lot of athletes and just because the ones I talk to, when I explain to them this stuff, it's a very, it's a big eye opening for them because they were told their entire life, like, I got to specialize. I got to do this. Like, otherwise I'm not going to be good at my sport. You, you, you have an athlete. Let's say you have a 20 year old athlete listening to this that has been like through that factory farm system, specialized, has done one thing. What, what advice or how would you go about training somebody like that that doesn't have that big foundational piece? Uh, he wasn't grown up with it. Do, do you focus on that now? Like what what are kind of some things that you would focus on with that older athlete that doesn't have that foundation that is very um, non-fluid because he's been through that specialization? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would take their warm-up and that would be like their warm-up every day. You know what I mean? That would be like those type of things. Like we'd get on the ground and start doing – you know, just not long, not like I, I, it wouldn't have to be, I wouldn't kill them either because they're probably not used to it, but we do short, you know, maybe short amounts of different crawling variations and, and, and multiple directions, by the way, too, like forward, backwards, sideways, you know, just getting them on the mat and doing like, you know, you can, it's nice. You can add like abdominal exercises in with like rolling exercises, you know, and you can like just get them doing like log rolls and V ups and get them on the ground doing supermans and things like that. But you also can add like Superman and then they have to like crawl on their belly things, you know, sim simple little, little exercise that you can do. That's going to sort of start to integrate and, and, you know, there forces them to like figure out how to use their whole body. You know what I mean? Um, other things I would start teaching them is maybe it's like they were, if they were, you got to ask permission too, because some kids don't like, they don't want to do it, but just get them into basics, basics of like rolling, like, um, like gymnastics rolling, you know what I mean? Forward roll, shoulder rolls, things like that, like just to sort of build some type of spatial awareness and the idea of how to fall and how to get up from a fall. And, and you could probably even start like if you wanted to, like teaching someone how to do like a Turkish get up and then from there get a little bit more dynamic and say, all right, we're going to do something similar to uh, Turkish get up. But, you know, um, it's going to involve a little bit of gymnastics work. So, you know, I like that even doing handstands. Another one, like how many, a lot of kids can't do handstands. And so get them on, get them on, um, you know, on the wall with their feet up just learn how to brace themselves and do handstands like that. Um, and again, so, and then when, when we're on our feet, right, skip, everyone can, everyone's a master at freaking skipping forward, but how many kids can skip backwards? How many kids can skip sideways? How many kids can skip going while going in a circle? You know what I mean? 
skip in with your eyes closed. Skip in and then listen to me change direction so you do it a different way. So skip forward, up, change, skip sideways, up, change, skip backward. You know what I mean? So I, I like to do that stuff. I'll just sort of start integrating small amounts of, of those type of movement skills and we'll probably do it typically in their warm up. And then from there, we'll go on to more, you know, traditional type stuff that uh, they're used to, I guess. <clears throat> I, I like the point about falling and stuff. I just wrote a, wrote a little um, Instagram clip about this, but um, one of the biggest things that our head coach at St. Thomas talks about is like in his recruiting things, he always says, you can tell a lot about an athlete about how he falls and gets up. And this is something like, if you normally would hear that from a football coach, you would be like, well, it's just a football coach saying that. But in my approach is like, like this football coach was a very successful football coach. He probably knows a thing or two about recruiting athletes and seeing what he's saying. And that's where I was talking about. It's not, it's not necessarily the facts. Like you don't just then go and teach your athletes how to fall and get up. And now he's suddenly a good athlete. It's like the athlete that's able to fall and get up has a huge movement base that we mentioned and he's able to do all these things. And it's just, Interesting sure. to hear it now in a in a specific situation to where he, he is that coach is seeing the same thing we're seeing and communicating in a different language that he sees a huge at like a movement base of that athlete that he has and it's because he's that athlete has fallen uh, he knows how to get up he knows how to skip he knows how to move and he just has that base and now he's seeing that that's what that coach is recruiting. Sure, yeah, you know what's funny my my college coach too when I was in high school so it's so funny like I was in high school he recruited me at a basketball game so he came. He saw me play football, didn't say a word to me after the football game, came to watch my basketball game. It was like, I wanted to see you play hoops because I figured if you could play hoops, you know, you were, I saw you play football. You did pretty well. Like basketball just sort of rounds things out for me. You know what I mean? It was like, he wanted to see if I was athletic at, at something else. And then it's funny. I didn't, I, I didn't go there at first. And I remember him saying this to me. He was like, listen, I know that if it doesn't work out, like you don't come here, but if it's wherever else you go, and it doesn't work out. Call me like you got a home here. And so, like, same thing, like, just just the idea that he came and saw me play hoops because he wanted to make sure that the athlete that he was training was, like, well-rounded, but also, like, hey, I, I'm not, like, I'm not going to hold it against you if you don't go here, and I'm always here for you if, if, if things don't work out. And, like, that happened. I ended up going there and playing for the guy, and it was the best thing I ever did. You know what I mean? But if, going back to talking about falling and rolling, like, if you ever watch, like, like uh, Edelman's really great. I'm I'm a I'm a diehard Patriot fan, anyways. But but <laughs> but uh, like if you see Edelman, but you see these guys, right? They'll make a diving catch, and at the last second, you see them like roll, so they land on like their their back of their shoulder. Like it's they'll like dive and catch it, and they pull the ball in, and the very last second before they hit the ground, you see them like do this like rotation where they land side, and like that's that's falling. Because if they fell like the other way when arms outstretched, they'd probably bang up their shoulder. Or like knock the wind out of themselves, but they've known like they figured out how to like in the air in this last split second after they pulled that ball to like rotate and brace themselves and get ready to to like hit the ground and roll. And that's like that's some insane amount of spatial awareness and like having body control. Yeah. And so I'll just I'm gonna just keep going. One more thing. That's why I love like for kids like getting on a trampoline because like you learn that stuff. Like you figure that stuff out, jump in and like you're in the air and sometimes you're in the air out of control. And like over time, when you play on a trampoline, as I've watched my kids and their friends, and I've seen them like sort of start to develop control on that thing and doing all different types of like jumps and flips and turns and things like that. So yeah, it's good stuff. Sorry, yeah. you're getting me all fired up. No, you're good because this, this goes perfectly into like, I have been doing this for two years with my, um, with my company and with the college that I coach. But like, I haven't seen the, like, I haven't coached long enough to see the long-term benefits, but I see the instant benefits of the athlete moving better, feeling better, being more creative, having more solutions, but it's not like the, the Edelman to where I'm able to see that long-term kind of results. And now you're seeing that in his game. You're seeing the things that he's doing in his game. I'm interested in how you see that progress now to the long-term benefits. You, you build this athlete's base, working with them super young. And how that has helped him now when he's in the in the college years now in maybe professional years how he's able to hold up move better and just be a better um, problem solver. Yeah, I think you know I, I my facility's been over what ten years now, eleven years. So there's a few kids that have sort of gone through those things. But I feel like I feel like um, like my one guy that's at, at I was telling you before like that's at UMass like he's been doing. It looks kind of funny when you come into gym, right? You see like a 240 pound linebacker doing doing like forward rolls and, and and backwards rolls and stuff like that. But I just think 
you know, those things, him doing those things all the years, all these years, has just sort of given him this ability. So I feel like it's sort of like, um, Bernie Gambetta sort of talked about it once. And I think Gary Gray talked about it as well. It's like, you got to picture yourself in like this bubble, right? And the bubble is like touching your skin. But as you learn how to move, you push that bubble away from you, like further and further. So you learn how to push that bubble up above your head and out in front and behind. And it's like kind of that three-dimensional, like you learn how to move in like this. And the further you can get away from your base of support, like the more athletic you are. And I feel like, I kind of feel like that's what that stuff does. It sort of just makes you so much more well-rounded and it sort of expands your ability to move in space and even get to another space. You know, like, like for example, like when you see a guy get blocked, he might fall, but get right back up right away and then go make a tackle. Right. Or you see a guy, trip and he flips right over and then bounces up on his feet and runs someone down. Like you see that happen a lot. Like it really, it's like it, it happens or you see a guy get blocked and he fights off a block and then comes around another guy and makes a tackle or, or at least it causes disruption. Like don't that, like having that ability to like have one thing happen and then be able to handle that and come, come up with something else and go make another play happen is huge. So I, I that's where I kind of feel like all of those types of movements sort of expand your ability to get to where you need to be on the field. It's sort of like not direct, but that's kind of how I look at it when I, when I, um, when I think about like, how does it help an older athlete or a more advanced athlete? I just know that I think, you know, the biggest thing is I think that you really need to do it early. You know what I mean? It needs to be part of your training when you're young, you know, or at least like when you're entering like high school, maybe adolescence. In fact, you know what I know what? I'll, I'll, let me backtrack. Adolescence, like when you first start to hit puberty, it's actually a great time to like introduce those concepts because you just went from like a body that's small and like kind of like Gumby. And now you've like grown significantly in a short amount of time. Your, your center of gravity and basis support is all thrown off, right? All wacky because you're like growing so much. And so like kind of putting kids through that, those series of basic movement skills again is huge. I think it's the worst time to let those things go just because they're, because there's, I think there's a tendency, right? Kids hit puberty. He seems older. He seems more mature. Like, okay, we're going to get into really organized training now. We're going to start squatting, cleaning, and like, you know, doing all the basic stuff that most strength and conditioning does. Like, he's past like the stage of doing like crawling and, and kid stuff. But the reality is, is like that kid probably needs that stuff more right now because he's growing like a weed. Like, my son, I told you, like, he got his tonsils out and what was it, February, COVID hit, and like people, nobody saw him for like three months. The kid grew like six inches. I don't know, well, maybe not six, probably like four inches, but he literally went from like this little, sort of chubby kid to like this tall skinny kid like with a deep voice you know what i mean it's like crazy it's great it just blows my mind like puberty but i told him i said dude like your body changed like baseball started and like he's like i feel weird i'm like of course you feel weird dude you <laughs> you were your body was different from the way you were swinging a bat last year to the way you are right now you know what i mean so yeah so i think i think that uh long term if an athlete can can sort of keep those basic movements skills that you had as a kid and continue them through those growth spurts and into like your young adulthood, I think, uh, I think it'll greatly benefit, um, you know, any athlete. And I can tell you one more story. I got two girls, right? They both play field hockey, high level. One of them's going to Cal. The other one hasn't decided where she wants to go yet, but it's going to be somewhere big. Um, but, uh, one of them was at a, uh, field hockey tournament. Girl swings a stick, hits her right in the foot. She trips, starts falling, falling, falling. Boom. She tucks her head, rolls, hits her back, comes up on her feet. She comes in the next day. She's like, yeah, I tripped in the game. I was going, I thought I was going to land up on my face. And at the last second, I tucked my head and rolled. And it's like, all I could think of is all those things we do here all the time. I'm like, yes, score 100%. It's great. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Because you, you mentioned the, the 240 linebacker, um, pound linebacker that you have on doing and you think it looks weird. Um, the session right before I got uh, to the podcast talking to you was all of our offensive linemen. And we had all of our 300 pounders doing the same stuff. Some of them more athletic right. than others. Some of them were hitting cartwheels. Others are just working on some rolls. Some are working on some crawls. But they also play like, I mean, we even have them play all of our score of A games because I think it's, I mean, they got to move. Like, I mean, that, that's our biggest thing. What, what's the best way to get them to move and give them a ball, tell them like what yeah. the goal is, and then have them move. And it's just awesome. Like, if you record this and you see the positions they get in the score and to evade yeah. and to, to default, like those positions are going to be like very similar to the field that you have them on. And now they're having fun doing it. They're getting exposed to it constantly. And like, just 
you, you, like you said, like you talk about in puberty now, that guy looks too old to be doing this stuff. So we're not going to do it. But you also look at like bigs and they're like, oh, that guy, like we just need to strength train that guy. But you, you look at the positions they're in the field and what they're actually required to do. It, that's where I think we're missing it big too. Is like those big guys need to move, man. Like the, the movers are the ones that play. Sure. hundred percent. You know what? We have a, uh, I just thought of this too. Like we have this game we, we play and I stole it like back in the, back in the day when I was a kid, there was this show on called American gladiators. And, uh, it was like on Saturday morning, it was after wrestling WWE was on. And basically there was, you know, these gladiators with like these juiced up dudes, um, you know, and, and, and they would go against like these average Joes and all these different, different, uh, events. But there was this one game called Powerball and you had like two minutes to like get a ball and try to score at each end into like a bucket. You just had to run and put the ball in the bucket. But in order to get to the bucket, you had to get by the gladiators. And like these dudes would rough you up. Like they like, dude, I'm talking tackles, fights. Like it was, it was crazy, you know, the eighties. So we came up with a game called Powerball, very similar where the kids have to hold the ball and they have to get by a group of, um, group of kids, uh, defenders and put the ball in the bucket without getting tagged or getting their flagpole. Okay. So here's the, here's the thing with the game. The defenders, it's four on four, but the defenders have to cover five places to score. So there's five boxes, there's five buckets to score in, but there's only four defenders, right? So what I'm trying to teach the kids is zone. I'm trying to teach them what zone is, right? What, 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 it, what is zone? Cause zone concepts are really hard for kids to understand. Okay. I coach youth football. I run inside zone literally the entire game. Like if I'm not throwing, I'm running inside zone. Okay. I am. That's what I'm running. That's I'm an inside zone guy. I love it. I, lo I love it so much. So I wanted to te teach my linemen like, what is zone mean? Like, this is your area. You do not let anyone in your area. If someone leaves your area, you do not leave your area. You let them go to the next guy, right? Because I wanted them to understand that. And so we played that game with our. I played that game with our linemen, so they can understand what it means to be like zone blocking. I played it with our D backs, so they understand like when they're playing defense. If I say if we're in a zone defense. This is what this means. And so you use those games, which also allows them to get in pretty awesome athletic positions and a lot of change of direction and a lot of competition and a lot of high speed work. But you can also teach them game concepts that they're going to use in their preferred sport. You know what I mean? We've done it with lacrosse kids, hockey kids. We've done it, like I said, I love it because my linemen don't always understand what it means to zone block. And so I wanted to teach them kind of a different way instead of me just sitting there doing drills. You know, we put it into a game-like situation, so pretty powerful stuff and, and fun too. Yeah, and that, I mean that, that's a, that's something we can dive down to because it's it, it, the biggest, like one of the biggest questions I get is like, how do how do you come up with these games? Like, how do you do all this? And like to me, all I do is think of like, what do I want to get out of this game? Is it do I want to get a high contact game out of it? Do I want to work on zone? Do I want to work on attackers being on the advantage? Do I want to see a lot of scoring or do I want to see a lot of tackling? Like thinking of the purpose then setting up an environment to create that purpose. And then, I, I mean, variations, whatever the athlete wants to change in that, in that point. But I love that you brought up, sure. like, because somebody would watch that Powerball game and just think, may, maybe they would see the athletic positions. Maybe they would just see like a lot of scoring, but they wouldn't. I, I think it's cool that you, you brought up, like you're, you're focusing, like your focus of that game is zone. Like I'm going to teach the zone. And I, because I, I, one of the big things you like, oh, you're just giving them a ball and you're just letting them do this but there's like behind it a lot of times there, there's a purpose to like what we're doing you know like it's not just crap yeah yeah there's like and like you, you know what i love when i watch it is for like a brief second for like a like everyone will sort of wait like the, the attackers the guys trying to score and all of a sudden everyone goes at once and there's like this chaos like just kids crossing each other in your face crossing and, it, and so that's why it's such a great thing because it's very similar to what you like you know freaking in the middle of a football field it's just there's dudes just running everywhere. It's crazy. You know what I mean? And so it's, it, I, I like that idea of like that creating that like chaotic situation. Same thing happens in tag. We'll play tag with kids a lot. And, and again, like, like you were just saying, we can manipulate a game of tag. We can say we want more sort of conditioning. We can make the, the field bigger and make the kids really run each other down and do more like linear type sprints where they chase each other. Or if we want a lot of change of direction, and a lot of evasion, then we just make it smaller, right? And we and, and you're in a smaller space and there's a lot more shorter sprints and a lot more change, uh, change of direction, right? So <clears throat> you can manipulate it those ways, but there's always like the kids sort of laugh and smile and all of a sudden like someone makes a move and it's like all hell breaks loose. And you just see kids just crossing each other, running around, you know what I mean? And I love that moment. Like 
every time I film that stuff, I just wait for that moment to see that chaos. Cause like that moment of chaos is where all the learning takes place. Yeah. And like you said, the, the, I think once you film it, this, this was big for me anyways, is filming it. Cause you can watch it in real time and, and see it. I, I get way too into the games. So that's why I film most of it. Cause otherwise I'm into right. the game and I'm not actually, I'm just like, yeah, let's go. Like that was sweet. Like right. keep going. But if, if you film it and break it down after and you, you're like, holy crap, like that was cool. Like we ran 17 sprints there or we did like all these change of directions. We uh, look how many things you had to process. Like look and you just get to break down all the things that are actually happening in that game. And this is something that I, I want to talk a little bit about, like the, the strength aspect, because you, you hear like what is strong. And I think you can talk about speed too, but like in these positions, like the, the positions that you get to see and you get to put that athlete into, and I may, maybe I'm using a wrong terminology, but I consider that strength. If an athlete's able to get into that position and cut out of it in a good position, I consider him strong in that position. And if we're watching it and he's not strong in that position, we, we can work on a few things, but that that that's something that I would like. I'm kind of interested in how you talk about strength um, in the traditional sense. Maybe it is the weight room strengths, but also on field strength too. Because we we've had plenty of athletes that are super in quotation strong in the weight room, but they're not strong on the field. They can't move the way they want to move, and they don't move people the way they want to move people. Sure. Yeah. That's like you know. I, I think that, it, that comes with going back way back to where we just talked about like that sort of foundation of body awareness and coordination and those things. So I think a good athlete with those things in place, when they do go to the weight room and they gain that strength, they can take that strength onto the, onto the field. But I think there's some athletes who, you know, they don't necessarily have that foundation of movement skill. And even though they can go into a gym and get strong because it, you know, doesn't take that much like coordination to get super strong in the weight room. Right. But, but, uh, so, so they have a lot of trouble sort of, sort of, taking that strength that they developed and, and using it on the field. Um, so one of the things, like I think for me, especially with youth football, <clears throat> but you can do it obviously with older kids, you just got to be a little bit more careful. Is like sort of like, I love like um, coming out with like wrestling or like grappling and like, you know, and, and any type of like M those MMA drills, I think are great because they're, you're, you're finally like you're off the barbell and off the dumbbell and now you're working against another human being. Right. And so, if you're a lineman, defensive lineman, offensive lineman, linebacker, you know, D end. I mean, even, even, even corners, stuff like that. Like, I think all that stuff is really great because you're finally like learning how to like manipulate and how to move your body and how to like feel pressure and, and how to fight pressure with pressure and, and other ways to go. That's why I think too, like, I love wrestling, like just as a sport. Like, I think those kids are always awesome. They always just had this like sixth sense of how to move. Um, and one of my, one of my good buddies was a wrestler in, in high school and college. And he was an unbelievable linebacker in high school. Cause he just always figure out just, he always found himself in the right position, you know, and he had great leverage and, and, and he always, you know, he knew how to tackle obviously because he, he's been shooting on kids since he's been six years old. You know what I mean? Um, so, so those things, those skills lend themselves great to the, to the football field. Um, and so I think for me, what I did last year was, and I got this, some of a lot of it, uh, Andy Ryland from USA football helped me with, great dude you know him and i've talked about it a lot but like the best time again to impl implement that type of stuff is like when they're in, in youth football like get kids used to contact you know what i mean because kids jump right into tackle football and they've never been knocked around before you know so in practice we can start to sort of develop that skill by doing different uh different drills where we actually have to grab each other you know hand fighting arm fighting pummeling you know getting on the ground shoulder fighting you know leg you can do all kinds of different ones you know so I think that's a, it's a huge, huge skill. And that type of stuff will sort of help you carry over to, to, uh, to the field. Yeah. And it is when you start doing these grappling drills and wrestling drills, it's to me, it's, I geek out about when that athlete, you kind of, you kind of flips the switch of understanding when to flow and brace. And yep. he, he starts to like catch the person that has been constantly been beating him by using a flow or using a brace against that person. And it, it's just so cool to see him like, Oh, this is, this is what I'm feeling now. This is how I'm transitioning my strength. This is how I'm using that person's strength against him. And then you just see that light bulb go on. And once that light bulb goes on, the, 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 the ability of that athlete to control the other athlete is improved significantly. Yeah. I think every college, like incoming freshman lineman should have to have like a month in the summer before they show up of, of like wrestling training. It would, it would, it would be, it would just be so good for them. It would be so good for them. But like I said, we, 
I try to put it in my, my guys do it all the time. Like my kids, it's last seventh, eighth grade. I mean, we, I've been doing it with, I've done it with fifth and sixth graders as well. So, um, and they, they love it. And we do it in short spurts, you know, 10 seconds here, stop. 10 seconds there, stop. You know, we don't like, they're not on the ground brawling. We just, they just battle each other. And then we, we take short rest and it's probably a five minute period before, you know, in the beginning of practice. We do, <clears throat> we do with football practice. We will, we'll, we'll warm up, you know, do a little dynamic flexibility type of stuff. And then we do some like short sprints every day, just like some accelerations, maybe working up to top end speed. And then right after that, we get into, we get into like either, um, that type of like pre-contact, like kind of wrestling type stuff, or we'll get on the ground doing some type of like cartwheel roll, butt roll, those type of things. Like either one of those two things I think are huge kind of pre-practice. Yeah. So any of my linemen that are listening right now, no more complaining about any of that <laughs> right. stuff. And no more complaining right. about how your wrist or how you're tired from all the grappling stuff. There's a reason we do it. Yeah. You know what I love too, I think, um, and this is totally just out of the blue. It just popped into my head. But I think too, it's like for kids and, and as you grow up into adolescence, like doing all the crawling stuff, like the crabs and the, and the um, Spider-Man crawls and the bear crawls, it prepares the wrists and shoulders for things like cleans and snatches and front squats. You know what I mean? Because it, you know, I can't tell you how many kids I've had come in that never did any crawling or never, like, they're athletes, but they've never really been on the ground. They've never like loaded their hands before and their shoulders. And I teach them how to front squat for the first time. They're like, oh, like they think their wrists are breaking. You know what I mean? Like, they, like you think they're going to die and they're not, they're not really, but like they think like it's the worst pain and it is uncomfortable. I totally get it. But I'm, I guess I'm so far removed from it because I've been doing it for so long. So I think like loading the wrists and the shoulders sort of acts as a nice like kind of drill for things to get strong at and be good at and it'll help you know doing things like weighted stuff later on like cleans push press snatch front squat you know well also the, the strength and this is something that i've been talking to a lot my linemen a ton because we've traditionally like football has had a ton of shoulder injuries like a lot of shoulder yes. injuries and sure one of my biggest things is like it's, I feel like because we're the only way we load it up is a bench press or an overhead press. Maybe we do some lateral raises, you know, like in the positions you see there and the load you see there, maybe, yeah, like you want to look good in front of the mirror. But man, look at what you can do if you flow from a bear to a crab and how you're twisting that shoulder and have that wristed hand into the ground. And to me, it's just so many more possibilities to load and strengthen that shoulder in the positions that's going to see on the field and crap positions you don't love it being in than you can yep. in the weight room. Yep. Exactly. And like I said, if you start it young and you continue to do it while you're growing, right, it's not as uncomfortable. It's not like you're going from like a 90 pound kid and then you don't do them. And then all of a sudden you're a 200 pound kid. Like if you continue to do them, you know, that's what long-term athletic development's about is that like you sort of continue to do these exercises and these activities throughout your athletic career. So you keep those things always, you know what I mean? I think, I think that's a one thing too, that kind of a misnomer with long-term athletic development. It's like you go through these phases and like once you're out of this phase, you're into this phase. But for me, it's like the idea is a lot of it you just continue to do for a long time. It's like things you just keep doing. You just keep putting a little bit of money in the bank here and there. You know what I mean? So I think I think definitely like whereas my fourth grade kids who come in, you know, crawling and climbing and, and wrestling is their it's their session. You know, my eighteen year old kid, if that's his warm up for ten minutes, those things. You know what I mean? So that's the difference. Like, but you're always continuing to do those activities even though you're getting older. Cause I think they, like I said, they, they have benefit for so many different reasons. Yeah. And I've yet to meet, meet a kid that has been too good at those things. Right. Exactly. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, boom coach, let's transition to the rapid fire rounds now so we can get you out of here. But yep. the, the, the first one is kind of your, your favorite book or books that you think the listeners can get a lot out of. Okay. Uh, yep. So the name of the book is called the athletic skills model. Top notch. If you listen to me talk, that book basically says everything I've ever wanted to say, but I'm just not inspired enough to say it, honestly. But so the, the the neat thing about that book is the first half of the book is all like research and like the why and and kind of like what where do they come like where do they where did, where did long term athletic development and where does like scale acquisition come from and all that. So it's sciencey and deep, right? But then the whole second half of the book is like basic movement skills. You know, what, which, what, what are basic movement skills and how should you do them? And what are the examples? What are, what are coordinative abilities? You know, how do you get, to, you know, and, and, and what age do you do those things and how do you do them? And then finally, like, sort of like your classic, like 
transitioning from basic movement skills and coordination type training to like your basic strength, speed, power, you know, that type of stuff. So second half of the book is way more, you know, sort of practical, but uh, top notch book is, um, and then my favorite PE book is uh, called um, Physical Education, Building the Foundation. And that guy, and that's by a guy named Carl Gabbard, which interesting enough, you're never going to believe this. So that guy wrote that book, I don't know, maybe early eighties, maybe late seventies. I don't even know. Anyways, he sent me like a, a friend request on Twitter the other night. Saw his name and uh, I'm like, sent him a message immediately. I'm like, dude, did you write? I sent him a picture of that book. I'm like, did you write this book? He's like, uh, yeah, a long time ago. You know, he was sort of downplaying. And I was like, dude, you don't understand. This is like one of the greatest books of PE ever. Like, you don't, I don't even know if you realize the gold in this book. And he was like, I think, I think he got kind of a kick out of it because I was like, a, I was a fanboy. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's another one of my favorite ones. Um, and then getting into more strength and conditioning, I guess, you know what I love is easy strength. I mean, I've read, I've read super training and I can tell you super training is awesome. But to be honest, like every time I, it's, it's so, I don't even understand it. You know what I mean? Half the book, it's like it's the way it's written. So I, I wish I could say it's like awesome, but and it probably is awesome, but I didn't even understand half of it. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I, I don't know. I, uh, all those books, like you try to read and it's, it's some of the stuff so over my head, even like the ecological dynamic stuff and the, constraints led approach stuff it's like i know that i'm doing it but i don't understand what the hell they're talking about i really don't and i don't have the time to like break it down because like half the time the things i'm teaching like those type of things i'm teaching people either my athletes who don't understand who need to understand simple terms or like mom and pop coaches right like they need to they need to be armed with some type of like skills so they can go coach their kid their coach their kids soccer team you know what are the things that they can do to make it more enjoyable for kids and make them more athletic so it's like it needs to be understandable and i have no like i'm not getting on anyone's case about the you know it is what it is and that's but i just don't understand a lot of that stuff so i try to look for books that i can like understand what's like understand what's going on no and i'm in a very similar similar boat and i think one i think that's one of the best things about you though is that you take that ecological approach and you, you, you put it in like our terms, you know, like to where you're yeah. like, Hey, here's the trail. We're playing, we're scoring, we're getting in these positions. This is our focus. And like that, that, like, I mean, it's, it's the kind of like the middle grounds, not middle ground, but like you're, you're the translator. And that, that, that's something right. that I think, I mean, I get, uh, I want to say more, but I a lot out of yourself because that that's the way you do it. And it makes sense. And one thing is, when I started transition, I would look at your stuff and Michael's Wayful stuff because it was in that way. And I would, it was an entryway into this field. Now, if I want to dive deeper, deeper into the terminology, into the science of it, now I will because I'm interested. But guys like you two are, to me, were like the, the godfathers of it because I understood what you were saying right away. Sure, sure. And I, and I, and like, I sort of like, I think my biggest issue is I understand what I'm reading. But if you ask me to like regurgitate it back, I have no idea. You know what I mean? I just, I just, I don't, I can't speak on those terms and I can't remember that stuff. So I just, I have to like take what I read and put it in my own terms. You know what I mean? Like on Monday, I had to do a pre-con conference for um, the NSCA. So we had like, they had like different speakers on. Basically, they just asked us questions. And so I was on with Dave Stoddard, who's from like um, University of South Carolina. And we're talking about like skill acquisition and variability and, you know, like, long-term athletic development. And that dude was just like blowing me up with terms and words. And like the dude is just so bright and so sharp and so smart. And he's got all his ducks in a row. And I was like, just sitting there being like, Oh God, I got to talk next. And I going to sound like, I'm, you know, like, you know, I just, I don't speak like that, but it, it worked out great because, you know, he's a researcher and I'm a practical guy and we'll be able to sit, meet in the middle and talk about the things that we're doing, which was awesome. Yeah. And I, I'm going to break a rapid fire round rule here because I'm asking yep. a second question based off the first one. But yeah, yep. you, you mentioned how the book, like this athletic skills model book, how it is everything that you believe in now. And you mentioned early in the podcast that when these books came across your desk, that's when you made the switch one and go back into it. What was like, how did this book, I'm interested in how that book originally came across your desk like was it you just open it up one day and you're like oh man like i've been wrong or in the wrong thing or is it you like how, how did you get started rolling okay so when i was a college strength coach right i went to the doctor one day so my oldest boy the doctor was like if he doesn't start moving soon 
Like we're going to have to do an intervention and send him to like a movement specialist. Like he was, he hadn't like crawled yet or rolled yet or something. And I was like, this lady's crazy. Like, that's what I do. Like I can get this baby to start moving. And so I literally came home that night and I became obsessed with like figuring out like, how come he hasn't done it yet? And for me, it was like a shock because I was like, what we were, what we weren't doing is just allowing him to like, we weren't putting him on the floor and letting him figure it out. We were holding him too much. And like, you know what I mean? We just, we loved our baby. And like, we did some work. We weren't letting him like sort of explore. And so that was number one. But two, he had like these uh, ear infections, like chronic, chronic, chronic ear infections. And he was never getting like the vestibular stimulation that he should have because his ears were always clogged. And I'm not lying to you. The day he got his ear tubes put in his ears, we brought him home and put him on the ground. He started crawling. But I started researching, and so I got a book. Like there was a book um, called um, uh, uh, the lady named Carla Hannaford. Um, it's like uh, smart moves. Smart. It's called Smart Moves, and it's just all about like why, how movement makes the brain grow from babies all the way until we're adults. And so I read that, and then you know, in that book, it talked about physical education. So then I just started devouring. I think Brian Gambetta posted like his favorite books one day. And that's where I found like one of that that uh, building the foundation book. I bought it because I because Vern and so I bought that and I started devouring that. And I wasn't even doing like that was the thing. I wasn't the only thing I was doing with what I was learning was like putting it on my kids, right? As they got older, I was just you know I I started reading like oh kids need to be flipped upside down and they need to wrestle and they roll and they did. so I just started doing that stuff with all my kids. And before you knew it, like I was so obsessed with just learning about child development and the things, especially from the physical side. And then I started learning about ADD and ADHD and like those, you know, movement versus like, you know, having kids uh, use medication for those things. And like just my whole, it was really for me, it was a part of my part, a point in my life where I don't think I've ever learned so much because I was just, because it's your kid, right? So you're really like, it means a lot to you. So then you'll put all the time and effort in. So I just read like book after book about just, phys ed and development and, and learning disabilities and how movement plays a role in those things. And, you know, of course, I'd probably have ADD, ADHD, because you know, I hated school and I always wanted to move around. And so it was just this kind of eye-opening thing. And so that's where it started for me. I really just started reading book after book after book. And then eventually, like, that little guy turned four or five and it was time for him to, like, I was like, oh, let's do a class for his age. So him and all his little buddies started coming to the gym. And that's, you know, that's where it happened. And like, so we have four kids, right? So the two, the two oldest boys, like my wife would be home with the baby and I'd be like, she'd be like, get them out of here. And like, let's go boys. We're going to the gym. And that's like when I started doing obstacle courses, because like those guys kind of, you know, if I get them to run around for like an hour, they come home, they take a nap, they just be calm. You know, they'd be relaxed. They wouldn't tear the house apart. Cause like two boys that were four and two, they were nuts. So I take them to the gym and that's where I came up with like obstacle courses and all the things that I do now pretty much just experimenting on my own kids, really. So they did just one big experiment. And now it's like, now he's 13, the other one's 11, and we go to batting practice, and, you know, it's different now than it is, but we, we're getting into more sports-specific because that's what they like now, you know what I mean? So we're slowly making that transition to uh, to that type of stuff. But make no mistake, we still go out and play games and wrestle and play in the trampoline and all those things. Well, I'm freaking glad I asked that question. <laughs> that, that, that's a... Oh, we, dude. I'm not lying. I was obsessed with just reading these books about movement, and and I honestly and 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 uh, it, it really was it really it changed so much. And for me, like for my kids, like my when my second one was born, like that poor guy, first day he was born, I had him on the floor, you know, figuring out how to get up and how to roll and how to look up, and you know what I mean. So yeah, it's been it's been pretty interesting. Well, my kids are like a big experiment. I love the, the point and I, I won't dive in too deep because I, I'm going to jack up this rabbit fuck around, but the little point where you like, we never set the kid down and we were basically, we are talking about how you were coddling him too much. And I like, yeah. I mean, that's literally, it's not in the baby sense, but it's, it's, I mean, it's what we have with every athlete, almost every athlete we have that has been coddled sure. their entire athletic career. And now I, I feel like my job is to set them on the floor and let them crawl and let them figure it out. hundred percent. And that kid's, that kid's whole world changed when I read that stuff. I mean, I was like firing him across the bed after the next day, you know, we're doing all kinds of, my wife's like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? And now it's like, the other, like even yesterday, she's like, oh, we're getting rid of the trampoline. It's falling apart. Like, I don't know if we're going to get a new one. I'm like, why would we not get a new one? It's falling apart because they use it all the time. Like they beat the crap out of it because they're always in it. 
and we're absolutely getting another one because <laughs> they're going to use that one and they're going to, you know what I mean? It's not like it just sits there and is, is, it's collected dust. That sucker gets used and they use it a lot and we're absolutely getting another one. So yeah, yeah, it's my rant for the day. I love it. All right. Ne- next question. We're before we go on a 20 minute rapid fire round. <laughs> the, um, Who's the next guest that you think we should have on this podcast? This is where you've been recommended probably seven times on the podcast. Um, we're kind of trying to grow this on uh, this network of uh, movement coaches. Sure. Do you know um, you had Andy Ryland on? I have. Yeah, he was one of he was one of the OGs actually. Oh, dude, he's the man. I love, I love him, him so much. Yeah, he's he does a great job. You know who's a great a, a great coach? There's a guy out in California. His name is uh, Casey Wheel. You know okay. Casey at all? I don't. So he's, um, you know what, you know what, I, it's super interesting about him is that uh, he's a high school strength conditioning coach, um, but he also his wife is a so she works in like the realm of like um, sort of physical movement and uh, and how it pertains to like um, helping kids with behavior like ADD and ADHD. So he has like this big background in that how movement helps those those issues. Um, but he's big into like uh, you know strength and conditioning, but really like, uh, lately he's been really into like breaking down like agility and joint angles. And, you know, what are the different moves that guys use in different sports in order to like create space or close space, you know, kind of right up our alley, but a little bit more, probably, probably like if I'm really into like the elementary, middle school age range, he's probably into like the high school, more age range. So, uh, good stuff there. I, I, I really like that guy. And we've been friends for a while and him and I actually talked about doing a podcast, like, specifically geared to because there's nothing out there specifically geared towards like youth athletic development yeah no, no, no. so who knows maybe someday but find a minute yeah i was gonna say i'll have to reach out to him but that yeah I, if you could all go on that idea I, I would be your first subscriber i'd be the first one right <laughs> be fun the next question um what's kind of next for you uh this is uh this is a question i ask young coaches old coaches every coach in between that have kind of been through the ringer of like, what's kind of the next maybe it's one year goal one week goal Next big thing sure. you're reaching for? Well, I think that uh, I need to make a decision. Like, so right now, honestly, I so, so, you know, just from, from my family standpoint, like I coach uh, youth football, I coach youth basketball, I coach Little League, I'm coaching Babe Ruth baseball. And I don't know, like, the oldest one's going into high school to coach, you know, to play football. And so I'm not sure, like, right now I'm on the cusp, like, do I make the jump and start coaching high school football again? Or do I stay with my younger kids and, like, coach them through? you know, coach them through their years of playing, of playing football. So I don't know there that's on the edge. Listen, my high school really needs to get rid of the wing tee and we really need to start spreading things out and chucking the rock because I can't take it anymore. Like we've been running the wing tee for like freaking 40 years and like everyone who coaches there, just, they can't let it go. And I'm like, dude, listen, you know, I'm like maybe like one of five guys in the town that got to play college football and like expanded their horizons. And I'm like, listen, it's time to like open the door and let's start throwing the rock. You know what I mean? So I want to coach that, but uh, who knows? I might get stuck. I might get stuck just staying with the with my younger ones coaching youth. But I think the next thing is I've turned down like I can't tell you how many times I turned down like speaking engagements, mostly because I'm absolutely petrified about standing up on stage and like talking about what I do um, just from the standpoint of organizing my thoughts and like being up there. It's the thought that terrifies me of like presenting. And it's part of me just thinks it's so like, I think what I do is really simple. And so getting up in front of like a lot of people and trying to explain it and making it sound like it's this big thing, really it's hard for me. <laughs> so I think eventually I want to be able to like do that though. I want to get where I feel comfortable standing up and talking about the things that I do. Just I'm just not there yet. So for me, that's a big one. And then one of the things I'm working on right now, too, though, is is sort of like helping out other coaches <clears throat> and other organizations. So like last year, I got to go out with Andy, Andy Ryland out at USA Football and help with their their youth development program. And um, I'm also helping like right now with uh, USA Ski and Snowboard with their they're trying to kind of make their own kind of development model. Which so I'm, I've been helping out with them a little bit too. So that's kind of where I'm going. I kind of sort of want to take what I do and be able to give it to other coaches and organizations and so they can implement it with their, with their athletes. No, I, I like that a lot. My, my, my favorite part about that, you were talking about how everything that you do is very simple and you make it sound complex because uh, that's where I'll post a game or I'll post like a drill or something. And then like, well, like, how'd you come up with the Like, what were you doing? I was like, I gave the athletes a ball and a couple of codes and like, let them play. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. and that, that, that's the truth of it. Like the athletes, 
95% of what I do, like the athletes come up with, I just try to create a playground. And I know you do as well. Like try to create a playground and let them play in it and let the rest the figure it out. Yep, exactly. And then the last question of the podcast here, um, before we finish up, uh, when all the coaching stuff is over and all the, everything that you do with speaking or the podcast is over, uh, what do you kind of want your legacy to be? You know, I just, I just hope that, and I think, I think, uh, you know, obviously first my kids just, they, they don't think I'm crazy when I, when I do all this stuff, when when they grow up, they realize like when they have their kids, cause I think right now I'm not, they're going to get to the age for a little while where I'm not that cool. You know what I mean? I'm not that cool, but eventually they'll get to the point where I think they will. I hope they realize their dad was pretty cool and like <laughs> sort of have that, that kid, that kid mindset all along. You know what I mean? I might look like an adult, but deep down I'm still a kid. And so I hope, I hope they realize that when they, when they grow up and then, you know, professionally, I just, I just hope that I've been able to like, I like to share <clears throat> obviously on like on Twitter and things like that, the things we do. And so I hope that like other coaches got to, to take those things or, or get to take those things and sort of like just relax a little bit and, and kind of let kids be kids and not be so adult directed. Let, let, let the kids have their say. Um, and and what they do because I think in the long run it'll create a better environment and obviously for them in the long term they'll be better people. <clears throat> I love it, Coach. Yeah, uh, that's it. You've had that impact on me. I, I've taken stuff from you from a long time. Been able to like you've helped develop a lot of my things. So thanks for being on. Thanks for everything that you do. Thanks, man. I, I'm I'm fired up. This is this is great. I I don't, I don't know if I've talked this much about training in a long time. So I really appreciate you having me on here. And obviously, like what you're doing and, 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 uh, and your podcast is, is, is freaking top notch, you know, and then obviously you play D3 football just like me. So I'm, uh, you know, big, big love that stuff. You know, it's, it's, just, it's, a, it's just a different, yeah, it's just different. Like I got buddies that play division one. It's just different. I just try to tell them it's different. Like you don't understand. It's a, it's a certain type of brotherhood and the things you sort of went through and, and the things you did. And, you know, so like when, when I played like, we didn't even have a, we, we had the worst weight room. So we were, we used to do speed work in the hallways of the administration building and run the stairwells and train out in the parking lot. And like, we, you know what I mean? It's just different, man. And, and we lived in like tiny apartments and I don't know, it's just a different, different time and different, like it's just a mindset that the whole D3 football thing you play cause you love it. Yeah. And I think, I think it just long-term in the, my life, I don't know. It's, it's paid off dividends like so much just being able to like go through the grind and, go through that D3 mentality to be able to take it into what I'm doing today is, is help tenfold. Oh, 100%. And I think that's where I get that like idea where I love to be and go do like, I like to train with minimal equipment or in the weirdest, you know, in, in the not perfect place because that's base. That's pretty much what playing football at when I at Worcester State, that's basically where, what it was. Like we would train in hallways and and we would train in, 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 in uh, outside in parking lots and stairwells and, things like that. You know what I mean? And so that's just, for me, that's the, that's what I grew up in and, and that kind of grind. So I, I enjoy doing it now as a coach. Yeah. Boom. Thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood. Yeah.